All right, so Matthew chapter 6, we are kind of changing gears uh, today or this month from what we've been talking about in January. January, we focus mainly on our theme, on prayer, on uh, uh, Jeremiah 33.3, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And we focused a lot on prayer in January. In February, we always think about hearts, or at least I do. I don't know if you do or not. I think about chocolate hearts. I think about candy hearts. And I think about uh, I should probably do something kind for my wife at least one day in the month. So uh, uh, that'll make her heart feel good, which in turn is always good for me. So uh, hearts uh, on, uh, in February. So in February, I want us to look at a matter of the heart. We're going to look each Sunday at some different topics about the heart. And today it's kind of, I've battled with, I'm not very good at titles for sermons, so uh, I've kind of got two different titles for this one, um, but uh, either the heart of it all, that sticks with the heart, uh, uh, but more than likely living inside out is kind of the, the route we're going to go. We'll get to Matthew 6 in a moment, but I want us to look and focus this month on what is at the heart or the middle of serving God, of obeying God, of living for God. What is the most important aspect, so to say, in our lives so that we can do what God wants us to do? How do I please God? How do I accomplish what God wants me to do in my lifetime? And it really all centers around having the right heart. We get a little too focused, and I say this carefully, on actions. Actions are important. The Bible teaches us our works are important. But... Uh, sometimes we get so caught up in our actions that we fail in the most important aspect of our life, and that is making sure our heart is where God wants it to be. Um, we, we have to lose the stigma uh, that oftentimes surrounds independent Baptist churches more than most, and that I have to look a certain way, and as long as I look this way, I'm good. As long as I uh, do this, I'm good. As long as I serve in a ministry or this ministry, I'm good. But the reality is, is, is as much as the, the works are important and works can be good, if our heart isn't right, it's really all for nothing. It's vain. It's empty. And so we need to, to make sure our heart is where it's supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 10.31, a very familiar passage. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Is God glorified in your actions? He can be. But ultimately, God is glorified by, I guess the word could be motive, by your heart, by what is actually going on in your life. Uh, therefore, that's what, how He is glorified in your life. Matthew 15, 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God, at the end of the day, if your heart is not right, then God looks at your actions as nothing. Because even though you're doing right, your attitude is wrong, your heart is wrong, your motive is wrong, you're not doing it for the right purpose and the right reasons. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You see, God has done enough for us that it shouldn't take that much for us to love God with all our heart. It shouldn't be work for us to love God with all our heart. But God says that's what you're supposed to do. Love me, serve me, obey me with all your heart with all your soul and all your mind. So this morning, I want us to look at some actions that Christ preached about uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And uh, we're going to look at some of what God says, specifically what Christ, uh, both physically and inspirationally said, so that we can understand the importance of the matter of the heart. Let's pray and ask God for His help. Lord, we do thank You for the opportunity to come today. We thank You for Your Word and all that we can learn from it. God, I pray that You'd help us today, um, that if our heart is not in the right place, that by the end of uh, today that, that your word will help us get to where we need to be. And God, I pray that you would uh, remind us of the importance of not just the actions, but of the motives of the heart. Lord, I pray for your help as I present these uh, passages. I pray that you would help me to present them clearly and correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here the Sermon on the Mount is a, is, is a sermon from Christ. Christ is preaching it. Uh, and it goes through a couple of chapters here in Matthew. Today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to basically look at the most of the chapter in Matthew chapter 6 uh, today. Actually, all of the chapter in Matthew chapter 6 today. And we're going to look at three areas that Christ talked about um, that are good things to do, but are not uh, necessarily, if, if not done in the right way, it doesn't really matter, so to say. So three topics that we're going to look on in the first 18 verses of the chapter is almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. We don't really use the term almsgiving much anymore. Um, uh, we do talk about prayer a lot. Fasting is something we talk about, but most don't do. But we're going to look at these three topics. Now, Muhammad, he taught that prayer would carry you halfway to paradise, fasting would get you to the gates, and almsgiving would get you through the gates. Now, we know that's not what God teaches, um, but you see that the importance that, that, that even other religions put on these things. And so God here teaches the truth that the actions themselves do nothing, but the attitude and the purpose behind it do a lot. Let's look in the first four verses. We see a little bit about alms giving. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1. Take heed that ye do not, uh, that, excuse me, take heed that ye do not your alms before men. I'm going to have problems with these words today. To be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, uh, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and uh, in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. So let's look at a couple things about almsgiving. Almsgiving, it's giving of food, money, things to help the poor. That's the general idea behind almsgiving. This is a good thing to do. It's good to help people. It's good to give to people who have needs. Uh, we do that sometimes with our missionaries. Are they poor? Some of them are. Um, but uh, uh, the reality is, is they have needs that they cannot meet on their own. And if we can help, let's help. I'm so thankful how we've done that over the years. There are people in the community that need help. And if we can help them, why shouldn't we help them? God can be glorified uh, through almsgiving, through giving to those in need. This is a good thing. In verse number 2, it says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms. It doesn't say if you do them. When you do them. It's, I think it's important for Christians to be hospitable. I think it's biblical for Christians to be hospitable, to be kind, to be giving, to help when they're able to. Now, we have to be cautious, and I think we are about these things. I remember uh, when we first moved here, I think it was in March, so it was before we started the church. 
Uh, no, it was after we started the church. Uh, I was at Sam's. I used to go to Sam's for lunch a lot because you get a hot dog and a drink or a pretzel and a drink or a pizza and a drink for awfully cheap. And so I'd go to Sam's for lunch. And there was a guy out in the parking lot. He said, I need some gas. Okay. And uh, can you help me out? And I said, yeah, I can help you out. And I said, where's your vehicle? He said, it's over there. I said, okay. Um, but for whatever reason, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give this guy uh, some help. And even though I knew he was robbing me. Um, and uh, so I gave him some money and he said, can you not do more? And I said, no, be thankful for what you have. <laughs> and he said, I'll pay you back. I said, no, you won't. And he said, yo, I will. I said, no, you won't. Um, I said, but if you'd like to, um, if you'd like to pay me back, the best way you can do that is come and visit our church sometime. And I gave him some information about the church. He said, oh, I'll do it. And I said, okay. And he never did, obviously. Um, but, uh, and I went home and told my wife, I said, just so you know, you're going to see some money going out of the account. <laughs> Here's what happened. I said, I don't know why, but I felt like I was supposed to do it even though I knew the guy was, was robbing me, but nonetheless. Uh, so we got to be careful, though. we got to be smart about who we're helping, how we're helping, even to a degree. Uh, you know, you got the people who are constantly asking for money on the corners, and, and uh, I think we got to be cautious with that. But if they're hungry and we can get them some food, why not? Um, if it's cold and we can get them a coffee, why not? Um, even if they are uh, uh, not for real, it's still kind to do that for people. And uh, so we have to be uh, aware of these things. I think as Christians, we should be kind. We should be giving. Um, we haven't had anybody come to the church and ask for money in a while, but we had a string there uh, for a long time where we had people coming regularly asking for money from the church. And I would kind of look around our building and go, do you think we have money? I didn't say that, but uh, I said, uh, uh, I said oh, I'm sorry, we can't help you. you know. And we, we did, we, gave, we filled up some people's gas tanks and things like that. We don't, we don't ever give away cash or anything like that. But um, in Indiana, it happened all the time. People would come into my office. I'd be sitting in the office, and they'd come into the church, and I'd never seen them before. And, and uh, they'd say, well, I'm behind on my electric bill. Can you help? I need some gas. Can you help? I need whatever, groceries. And there were times where we were able to help them out and go get them some groceries, uh, go pay uh, part of their electric bill or whatever it may be. But it's important as Christians that we're hospitable and that we're giving. We ought to be helpful. Try to help someone personally. Uh, we can send money overseas to all kinds of different organizations, <clears throat> feed the children and the uh, Samaritan's Purse and different things that, uh, that might be good. But try to help someone personally that you can personally invest in and, and do something for them. But the religious folks of the time here, as we read about in verse number 2, um, they had the, the, uh, uh, the normalcy of going around and announcing they were giving to the poor. It says in verse number two, uh, it says that when thou doest thine alms, uh, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. So it's almost as they went around and, oh, I can help you today, sir. Anybody hear that? All right, good. All right, now I'm going to give them this much, and I'm going to, uh, we're going to come out together now and make this big show of giving. Uh, you know, they, they maybe had the, the large cardboard cutout of a coin, uh, you know, and they would hand it out and here, take this to the bank, and then here's an actual real one that you can slide in there. But, uh, you know, they, they made the scene about giving, their almsgiving, of giving to the poor, and it was a religious action. It was a religious act where they would go out and help people, and you'd say, well, it's good to help people, yes. But if our attitude, if our heart is wrong in doing so, 
It does not help us. At the end of verse 2, it says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Well, what is their reward? What they wanted. They got a round of applause. Hey, look at those guys. Man, they're helpful. Got a pat on the back. Hey, good job, brother. That's really great. You're an inspiration. Uh, they, maybe they got a plaque. I don't know. Uh, they, got, they got their reward, which at the end of the day is nothing. Right? If we get praised from people, what does that profit us? Maybe lifts our spirits a little bit. But when we die, it doesn't do us any good to get praised from people. Yes, we want to be spoken highly of. Yes, we want, we want people to like us. But that was their reward for their almsgiving was simply some, some acknowledgement. Look what God says in verse number 3. But when thou doest, thine, uh, doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. It's a picture. It's a symbol. It's not obviously, <laughs> hopefully you know, you want to comprehend what's in your hand. But uh, then it says in verse 4, that thine alms may be done or may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. This is a great thing about God that we look at different parts. We talked about with wisdom recently. Where when you ask for wisdom, if you have lack, if you need of wisdom, ask for it and it says that God will give it liberally. I'll give a lot of it. I'll overflow you with it. Um, Pressed together, running over, that kind of mentality. And here it says that God will see what you're doing. God will see your, your heart. God will see your kindness. God will see your hospitality. And it says that thy father which seeth in secret himself, God, shall reward thee openly means that when done biblically, when done correctly, when done with the right heart, when done with the right focus, God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of you. Our focus should not be man's applause, but it should be God's. We know that there are some who will stand before God and God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we would all say, I I want that. I want to stand before God and God to acknowledge me as faithful. God to acknowledge me as good. God to acknowledge me as someone who accomplished things for Him. I want that. But oftentimes we are overwhelmed with the desire to have man's applause that we completely forget or ignore what could be with God's. And it's hard because we are naturally selfish. We're naturally greedy. We want what we can better help us out. Um, you know, I, I, I like to joke with my wife about how lucky she is to have me. Um, you know, when I help, help her uh, take a dish out of the dishwasher, see, see, honey, you're lucky. I mean, you would have had to put away five plates, now you only have to do four. Uh, this is a good deal. You are fortunate. You know, the reality is, is, is we do so many things in life to please other people. Um, you know, we, we, uh, the, when I clean the house, uh, it's selfish motive every single time. I've, I don't know that I've ever cleaned the house just to be nice. I know that's sad, but it's true. I have selfish motives behind it. When I get my wife flowers, there have been one or two times that it's been unselfish, but most of the time it's selfish motive. It's for me. And they take them to work so that the coworkers see it. Oh, look at you, Katie. You've got one, one great husband. Yeah, she does. <laughs> you see, 
Well, a lot of the things we do in life, it's all about me. And maybe you're not like me. Maybe I am the only one like this, but I doubt it. We do things that are good, that are kind, that are, that are hospitable, but we always tend to have that selfish reasoning behind it. So then let's take a look at the things that we do for God, or supposedly do for God. When we, when we help people, when we're, when we're giving to people, when we're, we're trying to help the poor, do you, do you go out and put it on Facebook? Well, today I was driving to work. I love these stories on social media. Today I was going to work and, and uh, I just felt, felt God laying it on my heart to give $10 to this person. Okay. Why'd you tell me? I don't need to know that. What does it matter? We do what we do oftentimes for our own gain, for our applause from men so that other people think that we're something special. God says when you're giving your alms, when you're giving to people, when you're being hospitable, when you're helping people, just do it to help people. Just do it for the right reasons because you're someone who represents Christ and you should be giving Christ's love to other people. And if you'll do it in, in secret, if you'll do it without a, a, a billboard, if you'll do it without an announcement, God will reward you for that. Over and over and over again in the Bible, we find that when you're obedient and you do what God wants you to do, God says, I will bless you. Now, what is that blessing? It can be different things. But I will bless you. And that's what he says here. And not only that, he said other people are going to notice that you're being blessed. That's what I believe it means when he says that when you do it in secret, he, God, will reward you openly. You're not going to be going, well, did I get blessed? I'm not sure. <laughs> You're going to know it. And more than likely, other people are going to see the blessings as well. Again, it's not too often today when we hear blessings, we think finances. And that's not always how it works. But God will bless. God will reward. We know that we're laying up treasures in heaven. That God will reward us that way. And again, oftentimes, and I think there was a great message on that in our missions conference this year uh, when Pastor Pittman preached about that, uh, the laying up of treasures. And, 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 and again, oftentimes because we can't see it, we don't really focus on it. But know that the rewards that we lay up in heaven, as well as the blessings that we get here on earth, are well worth it every time. So we see a good action with a wrong motive. Number two, uh, Christ uh, preaches on prayer. He preaches on prayer. Look in verse number five. This is very practical. I love practical teaching. Uh, for me, I've always been a rather simple guy, and I need someone to give it to me on the ground level so I can grasp it. And here, that's exactly what Christ does when he preaches. Look in verse number five. He says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask them. Then he goes through the, the model prayer. Um, and then in verse 15 it says, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So here about prayer, we see a, uh, um, somewhat of a parody 
here of prayer with these, uh, uh, these religious people. Uh, parody is defined as a humorous or satirical imitation of a serious piece of literature or writing. So he starts off with this parody of how not to pray. And he says it there in verse um, number five, that when thou prayest, uh, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Why? Because they love to stand in the synagogues and in the street corners that they can be seen of men. And we see other examples of this throughout the Gospels as well. And Christ uses the example of the, the one who stands there and says, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like this sinner. And then the one that he's pointing to is begging God for forgiveness because he says, I know I'm a sinner. Here, Christ says, as He's preaching here to these people, and He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't stand there and shout. Listen, it's good to pray in public. I'm not saying don't pray in public. When we're at a restaurant, it's not bad to pray for your meal with your family um, out loud, vocally. That's, that's okay. But what is your purpose for prayer? It's not that... Um, uh, we come back to this simple point of, why are we praying? Are we praying for so people can see us? Are we praying because we're praying? We're talking to God. It says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, if I'm praying for show, if I'm, if I'm trying to stand out for show, that's not glorifying to God. Here it even talks about our personal prayer time. And it talks about this place of prayer in verse number 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet... When thou hast shut thy door, then pray. This is a very personal prayer. I believe it is prayer of repentance. I believe it is prayer uh, asking God for forgiveness. I believe it's prayer asking for the needs that we have. And here he says, there's, and again, it's not wrong with sharing prayer requests. It's not wrong for praying for each other. It's not, it's not that we can't pray out loud, but God says you need to have a time where it's, it's private where you're going to God with your needs. You're going to God with your, your need for forgiveness. You're going to God with your need for the, the, the things that you have need of. And we continue this through the day with the attitude of prayer, the pray without ceasing. But there should be a quiet place with no distractions that I can have some time to talk to God. And it can be very personal. Um, I, the older I get, the more I cry. I don't know why that is. But uh, the older I get, the more I cry. But I try very hard in public to not cry. I, I, for whatever reason, I don't think it's important that people see me cry. And uh, that's why I don't go to movie theaters. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just it's sad sometimes when those superheroes get hurt. Uh, but they, there's, a, there's a time where, where I know that I have been alone. Uh, sometimes I like to go outside in a quiet place outside. I, to me, nature... Um, God's creation, it's an it's a, it's a awe-inspiring place. And I like to spend some time alone uh, out in the woods somewhere. I think that's good. Uh, I know men who literally have a closet in their house or in their office that they go into. Um, when I had an office at a church, there was usually no one there regularly, so I was alone anyhow unless people were coming in to ask for money. But uh, uh, I, when I'm alone and I start praying and really focusing in on needs that I have, uh, burdens that I have. I know it can get very emotional at times. And I remember just knowing that I couldn't do that in public. Um, 
I don't know if you remember the first time you ever prayed in public for other people. At my church growing up, um, the Sunday night we had, I think it was Sunday night. Yeah, it was. Sunday night, the kids would usher. And so there was, there was a number of us around the same age, but my pastor's son was around the same age as me. He was a year younger than me. So usually it was me, my pastor's son, uh, one of the other uh, kids in the church that was around our age, and, uh, and then another kid uh, whose family was in the church. And so uh, we, would, you know, we would all be in the back in the little lobby of the church with our offering plates, and the head usher would be there to give them to us and everything. And, and uh, so then we'd all be talking about who's going to pray. Nobody wanted to pray. I mean, we were talking now, we're, we're 10, 11, 12, 13, that age group. Uh, who's going to pray? Well, whoever the pastor calls on. I hope he doesn't call on me. So what do you do? You go up to the front. We walk up to the front. We've got three aisles. So two guys in the middle, two guys on the end. And we're standing there with our, and it was, the, the key was don't make eye contact with pastor. So I look down. You know, pastor's talking. Sometimes he'll try to get you to laugh. And you just don't laugh. Don't make any emotion. Just stand still. So then he would call on someone to pray, and it was always, every single time, you know, it was always like, oh, man, all right, here we go. And we'd pray. There was a nervousness about it. There was a concern that we weren't saying it right. Like we were, we were going to say something silly. Um, I would get yelled at every time because I'd be chewing gum. My mom would say, why were you chewing gum when you were doing the offering? I don't know. I, just, I like gum. Uh, but uh, there would always be something to be afraid. I was going to mess something up. And I remember uh, just praying in public for the first time. And then and the more I did it, the more I just didn't care. I, w- I wasn't cautious of it anymore. Pastor said, Vince, pray. And I would pray. <laughs> and I got away from the concern about what everybody else thought about my prayer. And we'll just pray. Now, that's a childish prayer. And, and oftentimes they're very rigid and very uh, uh, short to the point. Lord, help people to give a lot of money tonight. Amen. And, uh, and go. Pastor liked those prayers. But uh, uh, you, you, you get to the point where your relationship with God and the prayers that you pray, they are personal. You're having a conversation. I don't like talking on the phone in a public place. If I'm in the store and someone calls, hey, I'll call you back. I'm in the store. I'll be out in a couple minutes. I call my wife sometimes when I'm grocery shopping and say, hey, you put this on the list. I have no idea what that is. Where is it? What am I looking for? And I do it very quick and I do it very quietly. She answers, say, okay, bye. <laughs> put away. For whatever reason, I don't like to do that. And some people walk around with their speaker phones on in the stores. That is <laughs> the worst. But nonetheless, God says when, you're, when, we're, when we're having our time together, me and you, it's for me and you. So pray. Find a place that you can focus in on what you're praying. And don't pray for show. There's a place of prayer. It's personal. Also a principle of prayer in verse number 7. Don't use vain repetitions. Uh, chants, memorized prayers. Uh, it was something that God said, Christ said here, that those that do these vain repetitions, they say they do it because they think that the more they say it, the better it is that they'll be heard. Christ doesn't have a hearing problem. He doesn't. He doesn't have a bad connection. Pray. Ask for what you need. We went through this a couple weeks ago, so I won't study it here. Think when you pray. Know what you're praying. Uh, Don't pray just vainly. 
There's a pattern to prayer in verse number 9 through verse 15. Again, it's kind of what we already covered, so I'm going to skip through most of that. But uh, uh, some reminders, pray uh, to God. Know who you're praying to. Pay attention to God's purpose before yours. Know that God's will takes precedent. And as I've always said, and I believe the Bible teaches us, pray for what you want. Adam talked about that this morning. Pray for what you want, but know that God's will takes precedent uh, overall. Ask for your daily provisions. Understand your need for forgiveness, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, verse 13. Uh, our debt, skip down to verse 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It goes back to the heart. God, uh, I need these things. God, please provide for me here. Um, Lord, thank you for what you do for me. Uh, Lord, forgive me of the, the bad attitude I had uh, this morning, but... Um, what I did was justified because that person deserved it. <laughs> God's not going to forgive you for your bad attitude because you haven't asked forgiveness for that yet. Because you haven't forgiven the person who you felt like wronged you. Forgiveness, is, it's a whole sermon we can do on and we may still do it before the month is done. But forgiveness, all of that's included in this. Um... um so remember, when we're praying, again, back to 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're praying for, for a show, and I don't know that how much that happens um, on a regular basis, how much opportunity we have to do that. But I know people who have who've been at work before, and, and you hear them talking, and you say, oh, that's some bad language. And the next thing you know, they're praying. You're saying, wait, what? Um, I'm confused, and it's for show. I, as a pastor, I've gotten it every job I've worked. Oh, you're a pastor? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I remember one time we had a guy come in when I sold insurance, and boy, he was swearing up a storm. And one of the guys I worked with said, hey, you need to be careful. we got a reverend in the room. And he said, oh, really? Oh, I went to school. I got a Bible degree. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And he started talking to me about church and all this kind of stuff. And I was just sitting there going, come on, man. Nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> you can't talk like that and, and then just go, oh, but it's all good because I, I have a Bible degree. I know lots of guys with Bible degrees that don't do anything for God. It's all about the heart. It all comes back to that. So when you're praying, so another, again, another good action. Prayer is good. We've got to have the right motive. Number three, and lastly today, Right before lunch, let's talk about fasting. Uh, <laughs> fasting. Maybe I should have made this one point one. Uh, fasting. Look in verse number 16. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. This makes me laugh. I apologize. That they may appear unto men so fast. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, and thou, uh, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What is fasting? Fasting is giving up something for an amount of time to spend praying for something. It's oftentimes it's something that is done when there has a great need has arisen. Maybe it's a health need. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a personal need. And we say, I need to, I, I just, I desperately need this prayer answered. And so people will fast. They'll give up food. And maybe they'll skip lunch and pray during lunch. Maybe they'll skip a day of food and uh, pray during normal mealtime uh, there. 
Again, Christ says, when ye fast. I, I, um, when we did last summer, we did topics, had people turn in topics they wanted me to preach on. One of the topics that was turned in was fasting, and I have not preached on it yet. Um, I've been looking for good resources and I found some, uh, but I have not had the time to preach a proper message on it, so I haven't done it yet. And I still plan to eventually to get to it. But fasting, again, is something that most Christians just kind of pass over. Because we think of it about um, you know, major needs or major concerns or, or things like that. And, and you know, maybe you were, I know people who fast for health. They'll do that. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to fast. When I was 13, I think, 14, I was 14, I hit a growth spurt, but not this way, this way. I mean, I was a scrawny little kid, but when I turned 14, I just went, bloop, I blumped out, blimped out really big. And, uh, uh, and then when summer came and I was working at the camp washing dishes and, and I was hot all the time and I just, I, can't, I just stopped eating. I didn't realize I was fasting, but that's basically what I was doing. I stopped eating. You know, before long from a blimp, I went back down to skinny scrawny me. And then I went up a little bit too, which helped stretch me out a little bit. But I got skinny again. And it happened because I didn't eat much. But that's not what we're talking about here. Again, it's a, is it good to fast, biblically fast, meaning I'm going to uh, uh, skip this, give up this, to spend time praying. Yes, that's a good thing. Uh, my dad's church, where he attends, they did a thing last year. Um, I don't remember if it was 40-day fast or something different, but they, uh, no, it wasn't. It was, but it was right before a revival service or something like that, a revival meeting, that they did a week of fasting, and there was something different every day they gave up. And so uh, I think one day was a meal. The other day was like your phone. Give up your phone for the day. Don't look at your phone. Don't pull it out. Don't everything. And, and instead of the time that you'd normally be scrolling on your phone, pray. Uh, give up. And they did different things throughout the day. I don't know what all there was. But my dad, I remember because my dad told me, it's amazingly how hard it is to give up your phone. And my dad's not one that scrolls on his phone a whole lot. And it was hard for him. It's giving something up, though, for the purpose of focusing on God and prayer uh, to God. And so when we do something spiritual, it comes back to, do we let everybody know about it? Hey, do you know I'm spiritual? Listen, it happens all the time. In high school, my youth pastor always talked about devotions, 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 devotions. Do your devotions, do your devotions, do your devotions. So when I did my devotions, guess what? I told him, I did my devotions today. Now he'll leave me alone. But he never did. He always asked me, well, did you do your devotions yesterday? Come on, I did them today. He should be happy for me. Uh, you know, it's not about letting people know it. It's about doing it for the right purpose. It says here um, that the, those, the hypocrites again, he said they have a sad countenance and they disfigure their face. Oh, I love this. Uh, the picture that I have in my mind of this is very, very hilarious. But uh, here we see that, that when they were fasting, everybody knew they were fasting. Just like everybody knew they were giving alms, just like everybody knew they were praying, everybody knew they were fasting. Why? Because, oh, were they miserable. Oh, it's hard to serve Jesus. Oh, my stomach hurts because I haven't eaten in forever. I'm fasting. <laughs> I know, I've known people like this, so this is why it's really funny for me. But it's not funny because God says don't do that. He says they have their reward, and their reward again is man's applause. Hey, man, that guy's fasting. I couldn't do that. He says in verse 17 that when you fast, anoint thine head, wash thy face, 
that thou appear not unto men to fast. We don't fast because of men. We shouldn't. We don't, we don't do anything spiritual, anything religious, we should not do so that men can go, good job. I've told you before, we, when, I, when I pastored in Indiana, uh, our church had a wanna. And we made a rule. When I got there, 26 years old, in March, the rule was, if you don't attend church faithfully, you can't work in Awana. Now, to me, that made perfect sense. If you're not going to come to church, you shouldn't be serving as a leader in a ministry. So, we made the rule. Summer came, and we had some workers that they would come Sunday morning, but they would not come Sunday night, would not come Wednesday night. They were able to. They chose not to. Our Awana was normally on Sunday night. They came every, under every Sunday night when there was Awana. But if Awana got canceled for some reason, they wouldn't show up for church. So summer came, and we, made, we had a meeting with all the Awana workers. Hey, here's what we're planning for next year, all this kind of stuff. Okay, now a reminder, if you don't attend faithfully, you won't be able to work in Awana. So June, July, August came. We're getting ready to start up Awana again, and we're going to have a teacher's meeting. And I, I met with one of the families, and I said, I said, now, uh, you remember before the summer we talked about this? I said, you, you, just, you didn't come this summer faithfully. You didn't attend faithfully. I said, so, um, so you're not going to be able to work in Awana, but if you can come faithfully up through December, then we'll put you back in in January. And they got mad and they left the church. They took a few people with them. And I've, I've always said I had people leave the church over me telling them to come to church. But... Uh, uh, but his wife, the, the man's wife, called me one day, and well, she asked me some interesting questions. She said, number one, is it biblical for us to attend church, or is that just like something you think we should do? I thought, my soul. Um, then she said, she said, well, the reason why my husband likes working in Awana is because it really makes him feel good. She told me that. That was her exact words. And I understand that. It does feel good to work with kids. It's encouraging because they love you. Kids just tend to love the workers, the adults. And they just, they get all excited to see you. And it, yeah, it feels great. But that's not why we serve. And we see that so many times we get caught in this same routine of, well, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. It, it, it's, it makes me look spiritual. We had special music in our church in Indiana. We haven't had it here. We've had a couple, but mainly because we don't have a pianist, it's harder to control. I've talked about that before. Um, in Indiana, there were people who would sing specials, and I would just think, why? Why that song? Why tap your foot like that? Um, why perform? I had another lady leave the church because she didn't think I said enough about her after she sang. She was a wonderful singer, maybe the best I've ever heard. And she got done singing, and I did as I always do. Thank you for that special. I would say that every time. Thank you for that special. Even the ones I wasn't thankful for, I would say thank you for that special. I said thank you for that special. And then I went into my sermon, and she, uh, uh, she stopped coming to church. And, uh, and I ran out to their house, and... Um, Talked with, uh, her husband was home and, and was talking with him about some other things, and I, she wasn't home. I said, when, uh, when do you think your wife will be home? Oh, I'm not sure. But if she sees your car, she probably won't come home. I said, wow. He said, yeah, she's, she's not very happy with you. I said, oh. So I hate to hear that. Um, you know, and I was, again, 26, 27. I, and this was hurting me personally. I was thinking, oh, man, this is not fun. People should like me. 
I always liked my pastor. Why don't they like me? And I uh, talked with him a little bit, and he really wouldn't give me any answers. And so I left, and uh, one of my leaders in the church came to me, and, or called me, actually. And he said, hey, uh, they're thinking about leaving the church. And I said, well, I hate to hear that. He said, I really think you need to go um, talk to her and compliment her some more on her singing. And I said, why is that? He said, well, that, she's upset because you didn't say enough when she sang. Now, again, being 26, 27, the man who was talking to me was 60s, 60 in his 60s. And I said, um, I said brother, I'm not going to do that. He said, well, I think you should. I said, I, I don't think I should. I said, that's not why we sing in church. That's the wrong motive behind it. And if that's what it's going to take for her to stay, she can leave. Now, the reality is, is there's so much performance in a Christian's life. And I think sometimes we, we kind of push that upon our kids unknowingly. It's important that, that we dress right for church. It's important that we, um, that we, that we, you know, we show up and we don't look like we, we just crawled out of the pig pen. That's important. But we have to be careful with our kids, even though as young children it's important that they do what they do because we tell them to do it. That's important. It's obedience. But as they're able to get older, let's continue to mold them into doing what they do because God wants them to do it, not be just because I told you so. At the end of the day, that's why they're supposed to do it, because I told you so. <laughs> but we have to teach and we have to train them. And oftentimes we have kids that come to church. Maybe their parents don't come to church. They come to church and we're sitting there telling them, well, no, you shouldn't be wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> okay, they're here. Let's be happy about that. Let's help them, sure. We can get them a birthday gift. We can get them a nice dress shirt. For, for, for their birthday, a polo shirt, whatever. And we get so caught up, and sometimes we push the wrong focus, the wrong emphasis. And we've talked about this before. If someone's music is wrong, if someone's dress is wrong, if we preach the Bible and we teach the Bible and we train them from the Bible, God will change those things. Yet so often we focus on, oh, no, 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 they don't look right. They shouldn't be here. I have a guy reached out to me this week. Uh, he emailed, uh, emailed me asking about the church. And I got all excited, you know, as I always do. Anytime we have someone talking about coming to church. I said, I'm looking for a church for my family. What are you? How are you? All that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm sitting there emailing back. Um, but all I have is an email address. I don't have a name. Um, the name was in the email address, but not, I didn't know if that was. Anyways, finally, this person liked our church Facebook page. So I got excited. Oh, good. Now I can stalk them. Know what they look like. So I pull them up and I go, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Not bad. That's not what I was expecting. Usually when people reach out, he reached out to me through a website uh, that's called kjvchurches.com. And it's a church, it's a list of churches that use King James Bible. And uh, so usually when people reach out from that kind of website, there's a certain look to them. And, uh, and, uh, and he didn't look like that. As a matter of fact, his church background from what I could see from stalking him on Facebook didn't look like that either. And, uh, and, but you know what happened at the end of the day is my wife said, um, she said, I'm thankful we have a church that no matter what someone looks like, no matter what their background is, no matter any of that, if they come in, our church isn't going to care. I said, you're right, that's a wonderful thing. Because there are churches who would go, oh, no, that person's not dressed right. That person doesn't look right. That person, too long a hair, too short a hair, too whatever. And they would, instead of being friendly and, hey, thank you for being at our church, welcome, all that kind of stuff, they would go, oh, no, that person, they need Jesus <laughs> without knowing anything about them. You see, we do so many things where we are doing religious action, but we're doing it for the wrong reason. Our motives are off, and so our motives are off. It changes the way that we, uh, uh, the way that we live. It changes the way we treat people. 
And all of a sudden, we're out here suffering for Jesus as these hypocrites were. And we're making sure everybody knows how we're suffering for Jesus. And we make sure everybody knows how hard it is to serve Jesus. And God says, that's not how you're supposed to be. God says, when you're fasting, you're going to be weak. You're going to be weaker than normal. Don't let people know it. God will see you in your secret, and He will reward you openly. God says it's a private matter between you and I. Let's keep it that way. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're doing it for man's applause, it's not going to glorify God. So no matter what you're doing in life, no matter how, you're, uh, how religious you are, no matter how spiritual you think you are, if you're doing it to get an applause from someone else, you're doing it for the wrong reason, and it's a matter of the heart. If the heart's not right, then God's not pleased. So think on that this week as we go throughout and as we, as we do our devotions and we study the Bible, as we pray at work, as we witness at work, as we, as we share the gospel with strangers, as we do different things around, remember, why are you doing it? What's the purpose? And if the motive is anything other than to glorify God, then we need to change it. It all comes back to this, the inside, living from here, the heart, to let the heart move our actions. Because what we do on the outside often is a resemblance of our heart. And what we're doing is, is trying to gain applause. Hey, somebody pat me on the back, tell me I did a good job. I like to, I like to be told, hey, you did a good job. That's nice. Feels good. But it should never be the purpose, the reason why I do what I do in any aspect of life. It should simply be to honor God. Lord, I pray for your help when needed. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to develop our hearts to where you want them to be. God, may our focus, may our mindset always be on pleasing you and not on pleasing men. God, may we not be searching for the applause of people, but may we always be searching to honor and to please you with the things that we do. God, I pray that today if we have hearts that are not right, that we would get that taken care of immediately. God, would you help us to live a life that is not spiritual and religious, but one that is godly and one that follows your word. Lord, I pray for your help, your strength, uh, as we make the adjustments we need in our lives. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.